Should we talk about um, the month of December? Sure. Did you have to really think that over? So the month of December, with the exception of the first weekend, you got the second half of our Apple's deep dive. But I think for the rest of the month, we're going to focus on sort of unique. I don't like calling it. I've, I was calling it over text Molly winter phenomena, but I don't like that because when you Google that, you get a lot of shitty weather stuff. Hmm. It's like, oh, thunder or snow. Yeah. Okay. And then it's like, who gives a fuck about thunder? I mean, we could do an episode on thunder snow. Yeah. I was just like, thinking like, hmm. Right. Do you really want to? No, probably not. I mean, it's just going to be a lot of science. Yes. And I mean, I like some of our science. There's a lot of science today, actually. Loads of science. I'm going to be talking about stuff. I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. So buckle in. Well, I think thunder, thunder snow is not quite as interesting. It's not as sexy. Yeah. And it's new. I feel like I, they're like, this thunder snow is becoming a thing. What we're talking about today is like ancient. We're talking about something that's like fucked with people's heads. Yes. This is much sexier, spicier, edgier. Yes. (laughs) We're talking about the Northern Lights. Oh, Welcome to Sex with Ghosts. I'm Bridget here with my uh, mythological expert in strange phenomenons, especially dealing with unique astral light projections, Molly. Hello. And today we are going to be talking about the Northern Lights. Molly, do you have any experience with the Northern Lights? Uh, Not personally, but I did read uh, The Golden Compass. Is that big in that book? It is. It is. And um, that was the first thing that Matthew said when I mentioned it. And I was like, probably should have included a little more on that in here, but we don't have any content on there. But it is going to be kind of similar because it's the idea that like religions use the northern lights. Like Bridget was saying, like it's just every culture in the entire universe believes something about this yeah. phenomenon. Yeah, I I mean, definitely with those who actually experienced it, especially before like science is probably what it is now. And then with the advent of traveling for leisure and the internet i think this kind of even became a bigger thing like i definitely heard of northern lights i think we talked about it probably in school i don't even think we talked about scientifically in school i think it was just like oh some teacher was like did you know the northern lights are a thing and yeah yeah a bunch of 12 year olds like i guess this is important glad we're talking about this kind of like quicksand Exactly. The Northern Lights are also known as the Aurora Borealis. And they are basically like these sort of dancing waves of light. Usually, I feel like every picture, they're like green and teal uh, for the most part. I'm sure there's other colors. I'm sure it'll come up again. I'll be like, oh, I guess I did look that up. (laughs) Um, sorry, it's been a wild year, as I probably say every episode, but um, it is, I promise it is slowing down. Um, anyways, so yeah, these have been around forever. In fact, I think the earliest record we have of the Northern Lights was in a 30,000 year old cave painting in France. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And while it's very aesthetically beautiful, it's actually kind of a violent event. So the idea is that these are energized particles from the sun that slam into Earth's upper atmosphere at speeds up to 45 million miles per hour. And the reason we're not harmed by this is because of Earth's magnetic field protects us from that impact. And the magnetic field redirects these particles towards the poles. So that's why 
you're seeing all this at the poles and it's not just the Northern Lights. There's actually Southern Lights too. And it's been written about by everyone in 1619, the Italian astronomer, astronomer Galileo Galilei. Galilei. <laughs> Galilee. <laughs> Galilee. I don't know. Galilee, I think. Uh, he coined the, yeah, I guess that makes sense. He coined the name Aurora Borealis. Um, and that is after the Roman goddess of dawn, who's Aurora, and the Greek god of the north wind, Borealis, Boreas, Boreas. And earlier, there's a lot of early astronomers who's also mentioned this in their records, one of them being a royal astronomer under Babylon's king. I should look this up. Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar II inscribed his report of the phenomenon on a tablet that's dated to 506 BC. And there's also a Chinese report from 193 BC that also makes note of this. This is according to NASA. Yes. I will also be inputting my, well, not my knowledge, my research, my <laughs> mythological research. She learned all this from that book. <laughs> The Golden Compass. Yeah, no, no. But um, one of the uh, more famous myths around the Aurora Borealis is the Norse myths. The Vikings believes that the light believed, well, they believed a lot of things, according to many different people. So I'm going to probably. I feel like you almost just discredit it. <laughs> They were believing anything you told them. No, um, no. It's just like some of it is a little contradictory. So it's like, but it's like, it's like the Vikings were not perhaps not a monolith, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess they were actually more like, this is a terrible way to put it, but packs of wild people. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I yes, I, I think you can get the point across. Yes. <laughs> So some some believe the lights were manifestations of their gods. And like Bridget said, it seems that people get the feeling that it is a violent occurrence, even if they don't necessarily know the actual science behind it, because many people um, feared them telling stories of the dangers that they posed and developing superstitions to protect themselves against the lights. One explanation is that the northern lights were reflections of the Valkyries, which were the female warriors on horseback who wore armor and carried spears and shields, who were tasked with leading Odin's chosen warriors to Valhalla. So it's either them riding off to Valhalla and the lights are like reflecting off of them, or it could also be that the Aurora Borealis was the Bifrost Bridge, which is a gold glowing, pulsing archway bridge, which leads the warriors to their final resting place in Valhalla. And we know about this. Well, people who have been participating in pop culture recently probably have seen this in the Thor movies. In the Marvel Universe, because they have both the Bifrost Bridge, lots of talk about the Valkyries and, of course, warriors being escorted to Valhalla after they die. Dang, that's dark. Yes. I mean, it was a it was a it was a violent culture. It's a, one of those cultures that believe the warrior's death is what you want, which very dark and <laughs> unpleasant um but that sounds kind of positive if they're like imagining death is whatever you want yeah yeah sure it doesn't have to be a bummer no i mean i just think it's a little i mean it is a bummer just because like if you think about it in a like cynical sense they perpetuate these myths so that people are okay with dying for causes that they're Oh, Kings. like patriotism. Yeah, yeah. It's just a way to make people feel better, which I'm not it's against. Propaganda. Like, yes, like that's like is a. It's like if you if you were fighting for the U.S. Army, and they're like, you have to fight for your freedom so that when you die, you meet Jesus. Right. Like, I think they do say that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they do. Anyway. Um, anyway. Uh, a couple of other of the ancient myths in medieval Russian chronicles, the lights were described as heavenly armies fighting each other. And 
this idea of the lights being armies in war can be traced all the way back to the Roman Empire and the 4th century writer Julius Obsquens. So the science behind the Northern Lights really wasn't theorized until the turn of the 20th century. Norwegian scientist Christian Berklund proposed that electrons emitted from sunspots produce the atmospheric lights after being guided towards the poles by Earth's magnetic fields. While this theory would prove to be correct, as I had let off in the beginning, it would not be proven until after Berkland's death in 1917. Which makes sense because this is like complicated stuff. Like this is stuff that you would not like as lay people. We don't really understand. We, we don't grasp the science even now. You have to like. This is like almost physics. Yeah. Yeah. Or quantum physics. But I wanted to input insert Scandinavian legends here just because. It's no wonder that a Norwegian scientist would have come up with this theory because they had like the most experience with the Northern Lights, it seems. I mean, there are Northern tribes in North America that we'll talk about, but most of the legends are all from Scandinavian peoples. One, the, I don't know how to pronounce this, Sami, the indigenous Finno-Ugric people believe the appearance of the Northern Lights was a bad omen because they were thought to be souls of the dead. They believed you shouldn't talk to them and it was dangerous to tease them by waving, whistling, or seeing under them as this would alert the light to your presence. Oh, spooky. It's very spooky, which I can understand. It sounds kind like of some a UFO stuff. Yes, there is a little bit of that for sure in in a lot of this. Um, if you caught the attention of the Northern Lights, the light would reach down and carry you up into the sky or even slice off your head. Both those sound like UFO shit. Yeah. And even to this day, many Sami stay indoors when the Northern Lights illuminate the sky just to be on the safe side. Oh my God. Did we look up the UFO connection to Northern Lights? One of the UFO connections that I did read about was um, related to the Roman Empire, Roman Empire writer, Julius Obsequens. Apparently when UFOs started appearing, like Americans got more into UFO stuff. A lot of people look back at his writings and claim that he had been writing about UFOs because he wrote a lot about the sky phenomenon in oh. the Roman Empire. Oh, that sounds, that's a future episode. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it definitely could be. But I think it's also like... It's just, it's one of those things that it's really easy. Like, you don't know what they were talking about. So you can pretty oh, yeah. much say. I mean, it's like, oh, everybody was <laughs> yeah. tripping on shrooms when Jesus was alive. Right. And that's why right. Jesus exists. And it's like, I don't know. Everybody also wrote in like metaphors. So yeah. it's really hard to say. Really hard to say what they were talking about. But exactly. There is that connect. There's definitely that connection. But another fun connection in Finland, the Northern Lights are known as the Revant- Revantilet which can literally be translated as Firefox. Oh, like the browser. Yes, like the browser. This comes from the uh, the myth that the Arctic foxes were responsible for the Northern Lights. Arctic foxes would run through the sky so fast that when their large furry tails brushed against the mountains, they created sparks that lit up the sky. Wow. <laughs> there is a lot of unpacking, Finland. <laughs> Uh, a different version of the story says that the firefoxes ran and their tail swept snowflakes up into the sky, which caught the moonlight and created the northern lights, which is act- like probably a little more scientific because they were like, oh, particles, I mean, it's light. more logical <laughs> yeah. than sparks being created from a furry tail. It's true. If you were in Iceland, it was thought that northern lights would ease the pain of childbirth. However, if a pregnant woman were to look directly at the Northern Lights, the child would be born cross-eyed. Jesus Christ, that's rude. And then what, so what do you, do you give birth outside and you, with a blindfold on? What are you saying? (laughs) I don't really know. I think it's more just like a, one of those, I'm sure it's just one of those things that you tell someone while they're in pain, like, oh, 
Don't worry. The northern lights are outside. It should be an easy childbirth. Like when it rains on your wedding day. <laughs> yes. In Greenland, the lights were the spirit of babies who had died during childbirth. Dancing across the sky. Man, babies dying. It's that's always a bummer. Yeah, there's a lot of death here, uh, including in Norway, where the northern lights were thought to be souls of old maids dancing in the heavens and waving <laughs> to those below. Old, so like women who never married. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. However, not all was negative. In Sweden, it was a portent of good news, often a gift from benevolent gods providing warmth and light in the form of a volcano in the north. So Swedes really are aliens. <laughs> Very possibly. The light reflections often um, were a omen of large schools of fish for the local fishermen or for the farming communities uh, were heralding a good harvest for the coming year. That's funny because it like happens every year. <laughs> oh, hey, it's going great. Definitely have another good year. Going back to some of the science here, at any given moment, the sun is ejecting charged particles from its corona or the upper atmosphere, and that creates solar wind. So when the wind slams into Earth's ionosphere or the upper atmosphere, that is where you get the aurora. And so as we've been referring a lot to the northern lights, aurora borealis, in the southern hemisphere, it's called aurora Australia's just a silly point. I I don't think I knew there were Southern lights or if I had heard it, I had forgotten. Well, when I stumbled upon that, I was like, oh, I think I did know this or this I makes mean, so much sense. Yeah, that- it just makes so much sense that, of course, there is. But I don't think I like it, like clicked in my brain. Actually, now that I think about it, that's why. Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually. No, I'm like, let's go back to the Antarctica. Yeah, episode. exactly. That. Yeah, I think that. Because that's why people like to go there, too, because it's the same. You still get the I think we just don't care about the South Pole. Yeah, we don't care about it as much. No one really lives there. Yeah. According to astronomer Billy Teets, who's the director of the Dyer Observatory at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Texas, Nashville, Tennessee. These particles are deflected towards the poles of the Earth by our planet's magnetic field, and they interact with our atmosphere, depositing energy and causing the atmosphere to fluoresce. It's it's really interesting because it's not, even though I know that it's more complicated than that, I think my brain likes to revert to like the easy solution, which is just like... Like the sun is just fire, even though that's like, it's not. <laughs> the sun is just fire and it's sending us some fire. Yeah. It's all fire. But it's good that's to uh, know that, no, this is like, these are charged particles. We're talking particles. We're talking. Yeah, we're char- we're talking particles, but there's a chemical composite of this, you yeah. know? So it's yeah. like, it's also like, we call that a reaction. Uh, yes. Yes. What's, there's a science word for it. Is there a science word for that? Yeah, when like particles intermingle and they get a little... It's not just a chemical reaction? That might be it. That's what I would call it. Anyways, also according to Teets, uh, he says every type of atom or molecule, whether it's atomic hydrogen or a molecule like carbon dioxide, absorbs and radiates its own unique set of colors, which is analogous to how every human being has a unique set of fingerprints. Whoa. Some of the dominant colors seen in the aurora are red, a hue produced by nitrogen molecules, green, which is produced by oxygen molecules. So there we go about the colors. While solar wind is constant, the sun's emission goes through roughly an 11-year cycle of activity. So sometimes there's a lull. Other times there's like a bunch of storms that will bombard Earth with extreme amounts of energy. Which that's kind of, well, so that's interesting too. If you have like a lull sort of aurora borealis year and you're yeah. s- Swedish, then yeah. you're like, well, we're going to have a good year because the lights are here, but it's not going to be as good as it could be. Well, that kind of feels like probably the beginnings of the Farmer's Almanac too, like, and astrology in general. Because if you were... Well, and there's like a relationship between yeah. the sun's energy, right. even if it's happening maybe in a night 
what looks like in a night sky, still that energy might carry over that does affect the season somehow. Yeah, probably. So the sol- the last solar maximum or period of peak activity occurred in 2014. This is according to the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, which is also known as NOAA, placing uh, the next one then should be actually the next couple of years, 2025. That's exciting. I did, when I was doing my research, I came across quite a few blogs by people calling themselves Aurora Borealis Hunters mm-hmm. or Northern Lights Hunters. It's like uh, chasing tornadoes. Yeah, yeah. So th- they're going to be real excited about that. <laughs> uh, speaking of the light changing, when the Aurora appears... Further south in Europe, the lights often take on the reddish hue as opposed to the greenish hue that we are more used to. That must mean there's like more nitrogen in the air there. Yeah, which I don't know if that's like based on a... um, I mean, I think I would think it would have to do with just like the land mass, like... eh, but Like with the mountains and stuff? Well, yeah, like wouldn't it mean like... I would think it would be like elevation or something. It might be. It's fair. Yeah. Because that would also affect elevation would affect what kind of particles are where in your Yeah. No, you're right. That that is true. That's a good point. But this these red lights in the sky were often seen as much scarier because no one wants to see a red sky. So red sky (laughs) in the morning is a sailor's warning. Yes. Red sky. At night is the sailor's delight. And I wonder if that also has to do with nitrogen in the atmosphere. Oh, yeah. That's a good question. Well, I think it has something to do with storms. So uh, one story reported that in the late 18th century, uh, around the onset of the French Revolution, in the weeks before the monarchy was overthrown, a bright red Aurora was seen in the skies over England and Scotland, and the locals reported hearing huge armies battling in the skies. The frightened onlookers believed it foretold of impending war and death. Wow. Also, I mean, it was a rough time. Everybody was like basically fighting everyone. Yes, yes. Um, Because also these red auroras also uh, were believed to foretell the strife the coming strife of Ireland. Oh, yikes. However, Scottish legend refers to the lights as merry dancers engaged in bloody battle. What? Mary. That's like the most Scottish <laughs> shit ever. Yeah. Oh, the merry wee dancers. <laughs> They're just um, killing each other. That's what merry dancers do. It tracks. In Estonia, uh, one legend says the lights appeared when the whales were playing games. I don't, I don't know. That. It sounds like it's a euphemism for something, but I'm not really sure what it is. I mean, it could, is Estonia on, is it next to a body of water? It must be. Yeah. Another said it was sleighs taking guests to a spectacular wedding feast. Whoa. People were really set on those sleighs flying. It makes sense. I mean, sky. But why would you think a sleigh would be in the sky? Because... Snow and winter makes you think of sleigh. So it's like there's also a sky sleigh. Yeah, there's a like if you're going to sleigh through the land. Oh, I'm going to sleigh. Sleigh through the sky, too. Yeah. If you're going to sleigh on Earth, you're going to sleigh in the sky. Mm-hmm. But there. OK, so with all the science that we do have, there are still some mysteries about this, despite the plenty of advances in heliophysics and atmospheric science. For example, researchers aren't entirely sure how the energized particles in the solar wind get accelerated to their extreme speeds, as I said earlier, 45 million miles per hour, until... June 2021, when a study was published in the journal Nature Communications, that sounds legitimate, (laughs) confirmed that the phenomenon called Alphen waves, which is, I guess, these waves gave the particles a boost. They are low frequency yet powerful undulations that occur in plasma due to 
electromagnetic forces. The electrons that create the northern northern lights, basically they're like surfing along these waves in the Earth's atmosphere, which, you know, rapidly helps them to accelerate. But we still don't really know exactly how the northern lights work. And I guess this is one of the things NASA is after to figure out. I guess this must be part of the relaunching of what was it, SpaceX? Oh, God. Well, you know, those kind of things, like, it sounds a little uh, superfluous, perhaps, but it does seem like when you're thinking about launching things into space, you should probably know how this works and what it will affect your yeah. launch, you know? But it is, I mean, it is wild. Did you watch that movie that came out about the guy who was a scientist and he lays a lot of pipe. No, no, I never about did. The atom, no. the atom bomb. And they were like, everybody could die. Spoiler alert. The scientists did consider that everybody might somehow die from an atomic bomb that it would trigger um, like essentially like a million other organic bomb sort of chemical reactions than would have killed all life on earth. That's horrifying. And, and they, they like, still did it. Let's still, it's such a low, 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 low Jeez. chance of that. And I Rude. guess that's why you take a statistics class, but it's kind of the same, like launching stuff into space where like no one has ever been before. No one knows exactly what it's made of. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you could be, you could be affecting the whole balance of the whole planet. We don't know. We're too yeah. dumb to know. I think we are. I don't know. I, I think mean, we're, we're probably too dumb to know. Somebody made a mistake somewhere with the success of Elon Musk and Donald Trump. I, that's why I believe in time travel. In 2018, the space agency, NASA, who have been talking about this entire time, <laughs> launched the Parker Solar Probe which is currently orbiting the sun and will eventually get close enough to touch the corona, which, remember, is the outer atmosphere of the sun. Yeah, like, that's kind of what I was talking about when I was thinking about the fire thing. Like, it's like, it isn't, like, isn't that. So it would be good to know what it actually is. Like, what are these? Yeah. What? Yeah, so hopefully this probe will be able to reveal more about the northern lights. So scientists... As we talked about earlier, the southern lights. So the northern lights and the southern lights, scientists expect them to occur simultaneously during a solar storm. But sometimes there is an onset of where one lags behind the other. So according to Stephen Petronik, who's a physicist at the aerospace company Lockheed Martin, he specializes in magnetospheric and heliospheric physics. And he says, one of the more challenging aspects of nightside aurora ray involves the comparison of the aurora borealis with the aurora australis. Uh, while some auroral emissions occur in both hemispheres at the same magnetic local time, other emissions appear in opposing sectors in the two hemispheres at different times. For example, pre-midnight in the northern hemisphere and post-midnight in the southern hemisphere. So there is like a hemispheric asymmetry of the aurora and they think it's due to part in part of the sun's magnetic field interfering with the earth's magnetic field. Yeah. But that's the hypothesis. Cause I would just have to think that there are so many different factors yeah. going to play that be very hard to calculate. Like what about the moon's gravitational Yeah, Exactly. Pull? Like there's all these things going on at the same time. So you're, I mean, eventually probably kind of like what we we're talking about. We're using the AI for calculation kind of things. Like maybe they'll figure it out eventually, but using a, Human calculations would take, it'd be like impossible or whatever. Oh, yeah. We have dumb brains. <sighs> we do. So I have a few uh, other myths in the uh, Eastern, what do we call that? The Eastern Hemisphere? Yes. Because you're also talking about Australians too. Huh? Yes. Yes. So in China, uh, rural sightings are incredibly rare, which uh, I think, yeah, just depending on where you are in the world, it, it is rare, though you... It's kind of like sometimes in even in California, you can see the lights. You can. Yeah. Like, I think there's like certain times of year. Oh, like not 
of the year, but like very I gotta, rarely. I gotta Google this. Yeah, it's it's kind of like one of those special occasion things that I thought you only saw it if you lived like in the northern part of Minnesota and Alaska. No, I I, well, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Like, no, you could be right. That could just be me being naive. Yeah. No, it's just like one of those like, but you'd have to go. You have to like go a spe- special place at a special time on a special day or whatever. Yeah, kind of I like how. Um, I mean, it might come up. So it could be in this research, but ah, oh, okay. So being so uh, rare, it's said that many early Chinese legends associated with dragons are a result of the Northern Lights, uh, because the belief is that the lights are viewed as a celestial battle between good and evil dragons who breathe fire across the firmament. Do you think dragons were real? I mean, they do seem like creatures. But right? do you think they existed? The same time as humans no idea no i i'm starting i've seen too many tiktoks but <laughs> i think the one that pushed me over was like a guy who's actually an author and he does a lot of videos that actually always border between like satire where i'm like i can't tell oh. this guy's sincere or not but i think he is sincere because yeah. he's presenting it in a way that i'm believing him you know what I mean? Sure. Interesting. But he recently was point. I was already getting dragons in my algorithm, which is kind of insane. And then this guy comes up and he like, who's an author who's talking about like how you find dragons mythologically, like in every ancient culture. Right. Yeah. On yep. earth. And it's just straight, like either humans were, they all imagined a dragon collectively, even though there's no way that some of these people would have connections to a world outside of their own own or there used to be dragons yeah i think i mean i think it's possible but uh, who knows i mean it's just wild this is wild i'm starting to believe in dragons anyways (laughs) that's great that's great in japan another birth story yeah the child conceived under the northern lights will be blessed with good looks intellect and good fortune oh nice okay the Aboriginal Australians did believe. Wait, so does Japan? Japan does see the Northern Lights. Yeah, I think they are still in the Northern Hemisphere. Wow. Okay. I also I thought Japan would be too far too south. far south. But these are like I think they're yeah they're really the rare occasions. Like I'm pretty sure the Northern like I feel like it was recently that I could see the I could have potentially seen the Northern Lights in Northern California. Really? If I had been willing to drive, like, I don't know, a couple hours or something. Oh, look. Like more north than me? <laughs> Eight hours ago, the San Francisco Chronicle. The Northern Lights might be visible in California tonight. Oh, yeah, I, I don't think it's that. this night? Yeah. That we're recording? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's fucking nuts. Um, After midnight tonight, as uh, solar activity sends the phenomenon further south than usual. What the shit? Well, Okay. I think, what time did you say? Can I see it from where I'm at? After midnight. Um. Uh. Yeah, the, this says the Aurora typically- I'm more north than they are. Yeah, it has- uh, Okay, what time is this? I'm going <laughs> to set an alarm and try to look for these fuckers. Okay, just so you know, if visible, Northern Californians would likely only see a reddish glow in the sky. So you're looking for red. Okay, we're looking for red, baby. I'll make it a note. And it is the early hours of Friday. So right after midnight, I would. Right after midnight? Does it say that, Molly? <sighs> it does. Um. Well, it, it says after midnight, early hours. Okay, well, that's. I'm going to. Uh, when we get there's... off this phone, I'm going to look up the exact uh, time. Uh, Rector. Rector, who is the someone who is important, says cautions that predictions are hardly precise and have been off before. Indeed, in the past year, Californians have seen the northern lights once or twice, despite predictions that they will be only visible in the north of the north of the state. That's crazy. I wonder if I've seen them before and just yeah. was like, well, that's weird. Also, cloud cover is a factor across northern California tonight. Drier air will gradually stomp out any fog near the ground, but signs point to plenty of spotty high clouds overnight and into Friday morning. But that's a San Francisco problem. Yep, that's true. That's true. (laughs) Um, Don't don't tell me San Francisco problems, babe. In Alaska, there's about a 50-50 chance. Perfectly clear view where I'm at. Okay, well, go check it out. Report back to us. This app doesn't tell me about the Aurora Borealis. I got my alarm set. 
I'll let you know. Yeah. Yes. The Aboriginal Australians believed that it was their gods dancing overhead. So lots of gods, lots of evil and good, lots of children, lots of dead people all over the world. All over the world. Lots of dead babies. So there's also other aurora-like occurrences on Earth uh, or maybe a single occurrence, which is called Steve, which is strong thermal emission velocity enhancement. That sounds like a euphemism. Yep. <laughs> so Steve is like the northern and southern lights in that it's a glowing atmospheric phenomenon. However, it looks slightly different from its undulating auroral counterparts. Petronick, who we quoted earlier, says these emissions appear as narrow and distinct arc, are typically purple in color, and often include a green picket fence structure that slowly moves westward. I feel like that statement provokes more questions. Yeah, that's very confusing. But also it makes me think like, oh my gosh, how many of these UFOs have we seen is just like light, magnetic light things? Yeah, that's a very good point. It's like, are we looking at UFO or are you looking at this weird light shit? Probably looking at light shit most of the time. Yeah. So Steve is also visible from lower latitudes and is closer to the equator than the auroras. A 2019 study published in the journal Geophysical Research Letters discovered that Steve is a result of two mechanisms. The mauve streaks are caused by heating of charged particles in the upper atmosphere, while the picket fence green structure results from electrons falling into the atmosphere. The latter process is the same driver of the aurora, making Steve kind of a aurora hybrid. But these are definitely distinct from a sunrise and a sunset, because that does make the atmosphere purple in a lot of times. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. Maybe there's some relation to that in the more mauve color i don't yeah like i said we're doing a lot of science yeah i don't, I don't know we're just speculating yep um, another fun fact is that because like i said earlier an aurora basically is a result of particles and atmospheres and magnetic fields this means auroras can occur on other planets too it's not just earth yeah, that makes sense. Jeff Register, I'm trying to make his name sound more interesting than it probably is. He is an instructor of physics and astronomy at High Point University in North Carolina. He is quoted as saying, auroras have been seen in the atmospheres of all gas giant planets, which is not surprising since these planets have robust magnetic fields. More surprisingly, auroras have been discovered on both Venus and Mars, both of which have very weak magnetic fields. But are closer to the sun, so... Oh, so you're getting more sunshine. Yeah, that's what I would think. Well, yeah. I guess yeah, Venus yeah. is not Mars, though. But. but close, I guess close enough. Indeed, scientists have cataloged three different types of Martian auroras. One occurs only on the planet's day side. Another is a widespread nighttime feature fueled by strong solar storms. So that makes sense being pushed by these storms. Yeah. And another is a much patchier night side phenomenon. So that's aliens. That one. Ah! The third one's aliens. <laughs> okay. Okay. The Hope Mars Orbiter, which is the United Arab Emirates' first ever interplanetary mission managed to capture the discrete nocturnal aurora shortly after arriving at the Red Planet in early 2021. This probably sounds like an insane American thing, but how do we know that this camera is accurate? Well, I mean, it could be that, but also I'm more willing to believe that it is because we can't like easily predict and we know everything about this phenomenon it has to be more than just the magnetic field of the planet so whatever is something about mars 
the atmosphere, the planet is also creating the aurora. And literally, if we figured that out better, we would understand our own auroras better. If it's just a chemical reaction between the particles and the atmosphere. Which also, I mean, to be fair, I think your point about the pictures, it's like because a picture is capturing light, like it is like going to be automatically manipulated a little bit, you know? Yeah. That makes sense. Well, but then I started thinking there's got to be more like the picture probably helps, but they probably have other. Oh, yeah. Like observations. Yeah. 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 From those probes that are like, oh, all of these things are consistent. Yes. Yeah. So this, I, I would this is so why too. it must be that. I just wanted to sound like an asshole because this is their first ever <laughs> interplanetary mission. They sound like noobs, amateurs. Sure. Mm-hmm. Jupiter's magnetic field is 20,000 times stronger than that of Earth. Wow. So their auroras are going to, they're like way brighter and they're crazier. They're wild. Right. And Jupiter lights aren't just driven by solar wind. Most of the particles that cause the planet's auroras are blasted into space by its close orbiting moon, low. Io. Io, I mean, sorry. <laughs> the most volcanic body in the solar system. So, right. like you were saying before, yeah. where we talked about the moon's gravitational pull. So, there must be some relationship between yeah orbiting objects and yes, these particles. Definitely. And I wonder if volcanoes do have anything to do with it too. Oh yeah. Volcanoes are their own kind of fucked up right. because it's like force coming out of the center of something. It's like what? Really crazy stuff. And astronomers have even caught glimpses of auroral activity in other solar systems. So, for example, October 2021, there were two studies that reported the detection of radio waves emitted by red dwarfs, smaller stars, and dimmer than our own sun. These radio waves are likely associated with a sort of backward aurora, one that flares up near stars and is driven by particles released by close orbiting planets. This is according to researchers. And according to Joseph Callingham, who's a radio astronomer at Leiden University in the Netherlands and the Dutch National Observatory Astron, he's also the co-author on two new studies. He said in a statement, our model for this radio emission from our stars is scaled up version of Jupiter and Io with a planet enveloped in a magnetic field of star feeding material into vast currents that similarly power bright aurorae. It is a spectacle that has attracted our attention from many light years away. These feeder planets remain hypothetical at the moment. Nobody has yet discovered any circling the red dwarfs that the team studied. But if Callahan and his colleagues are right, astronomers may have a powerful new planet hunting technique at their disposal which is insane. It's insane how much we're like looking for other planets. Like we're looking for, we are such narcissists. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's talk about the North American myths and legends because every single culture ever had legends. Yeah, baby. Including the Cree people who thought that the aurora of life's circle and the spirits of the dead remained in the sky apart from their loved ones. These lights were the spirits of the departed trying to communicate with those who they had left behind on Earth. Damn. That's interesting, though, that uh, so many cultures were like, this is the gateway. Yeah. Because at first we were talking about it, I was thinking, like, of course, uh, European people would think that. Like, they're the Christians. But before (laughs) the Christians, they were pagans who all had these sky stories so like that all makes sense then when you're like indigenous people are interpreting this the same way it's kind of spooky yeah yeah that's um the one of the main um golden compass is the aurora as a gateway yeah i i believe in dragons and i believe aurora is a gateway the algonquin's take on the aurora was that it was created by the light from a fire built by the creator their creator Nanet Bozo? Bozo. 
Nanabozo. I think that was, I think you did a good job. Uh, excellent. Um, they There's a lot of letters in there. They understood the fire to be a way of Nanabozo telling his people that he remembered them and was watching over them. Hmm. However, the Wisconsin, Wisconsin's Fox native people felt that the Aurora gave them a sense of foreboding representing their slain enemies, preparing for revenge. That's insane. What kind of shit are you doing to people? Yeah, that's the that thing. you are worried these are your enemies. Yeah, what kind of enemies do you have? Holy shit. Right. But then you can look at a different um, tribe people in Wisconsin, the Menemone, who saw the lights as torches used by benevolent giants to spear fish at night. So, oh, I like that. Yeah, you can tell, like, that, you know, there's there are chill some, tribes and not yeah. so chill tribes. <laughs> it's true. Of course, the Inuit people, there's many tribes considered Inuits, but some of them considered the auroras to be the spirits of dead humans playing a ball game using the walrus skull as a ball. Sounds right. Yes. The remote Nunavik. Nunavik Islands people told the same story, but the other way around. So the Northern Lights were walrus spirits playing ball with the skulls of unfortunate humans. I like that one even more. The Inuit of Hudson Bay dreaded the lights, believing they were lanterns of demons pursuing lost souls. Oh, that's a very Halloween-y. Yeah. The Tlingit Nation in Southern Alaska believed the Aurora were light of torches. Um, lit by the fallen, dwelling in the heaven of Kiwakoani to guide the souls of those who had died of violent death. Uh, while those in uh, Alaska's northernmost spot, Inuit in Point Barrow, believed the aurora was evil and carried knives to protect themselves from it. Oh, See, that's interesting, too, because of the other tribes that were, like, describing UFOs. Yeah, yeah. It's some sort of gateway. And I think it's mostly bad than it is good. Interesting. The Maka people of Washington State said the lights were fires in the north created by a tribe of dwarves who used it to boil whale blubber. And the Mandan people of North Dakota said the lights were fires over which great warriors boiled their enemies in huge cooking pots. A lot of vengeful people. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it just depends on what your culture is like. Like if you are paranoid about your enemies, then you're probably going to see the lights as some sort of evil thing. But if you're more concerned about eating or whatever, perhaps you consider it some sort of cooking implement you know okay just it seems like uh you probably see what you want to see you see what you want to see the last thing that i wanted to share which is just a funny aquora article because oh i love those yeah i just wanted to see what modern day pagans thought about the aurora borealis what did you what was the question Yes. Is there? Well, so the question isn't super goofy. Okay. I think it's an honest question. And it is, is there a deity strongly associated with the Northern Lights as a pagan? So they're just like, yeah, that's fair. Looking for other pagans, pagan for pagan. Let's let's figure out what this is. Um, But I got one response here. His name, her or her name is Varg or their name, Varg Vickerns, who lives in France. He's been answering questions on Korra since 2010. And uh, he says the Northern Lights are called the Way of Bees or Elf Dance in Scandinavia because they are associated with the spirits of dead ancestors and the return to life in the kin through rebirth. Uh, None of that came up in my uh, research at all. But this is, we're just going to, you know. We'll just buy it right now. Yeah, I'm interested because it also looks like there's more to come here. Oh, yes. The term elf derives from the Norse alf, which is proto-Nordic, meaning white. The elves are spirits of the dead residing normally in the burial mound waiting to be reborn. They are white because uh, they are innocent and pure. Only an honorable in a man will be reborn. The bad parts of the person will not be reborn. I don't know why he... Anyway, skipping ahead, (laughs) the bees are the midwives of nature. They help to give birth to nature itself. So that's the bees, bees, blah, blah, blah. The elves are the children of Freyr and Freya, 
So if anything, we could say the Northern Lights are associated with them. The term Maya derives from the name of the goddess Maya, that which we call Frigg in Scandinavia. So I guess we could say the Northern Lights are associated with her as well. So first of all, though, the Northern Lights are associated with elves, the noble spirits of dead ancestors and waiting to be reborn in the kin. Remember the good, forget the bad, bring only the good to your next life, leave the bad behind. I like that it ends like a chain letter. Yes. Okay. It seems Is that why you shared this? Uh no. But Are you gonna get like seven years of bad <laughs> yeah, luck? Bad luck if I don't share this? No, I don't think so. You're gonna lose all your hair and have a tiny penis. Um, but you know, it it did seem like vague. Like I mean, these are Norse pagans, so they probably presumably are is more related to the Norse mythology. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It is uh this is definitely a very specific sect of paganism. Yes, yes, I think so. And it's interesting the breakdown, but I feel like it was a really long answer to say I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But here's what I think because yeah. I have I write articles on this fucking website. Yes, I think so. Well, that was good. Well, thank you, Molly, for doing the research with me on this. Yep, it was good to uh, kind of look at all the different uh, takes on this and um, to find all the. Uh... Yeah, it kind of does make me want to see it, you know, eventually. Someday. Do you do you have any opinions about it now that you didn't have before? Um, No, but it is like. From so do you the, think it's a gateway? Do you think it's just science? Oh, I think it is just science. Um, but in like a, I don't, we're, I don't think we're gonna ever, I don't think we're gonna understand it in our lifetime. That's why I think it's kind of mystical. It's got to be a gateway. But if we understood the science, we'd understand how the gate opens. You know what and, I'm saying? I mean, I, I could see that, but at the same time, yeah, like I don't know that we. It, it seems like one of those. We would have to meet a alien civilization far superior to our own to explain all the, you know. Which could happen. Yeah. Time travel. We're just, we're close, you know. I can feel it. Um, where can people find you, Molly? You can find me on a Blue Sky at Molly M, our Instagram at Molly M 9 How about you? You can find me at Blue Sky at Bridget F. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Bridget underscore suck it. You can find this podcast there at sex with ghosts underscore. You can show support by giving us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts or by going to patreon.com slash sex with ghosts. All right. See you next week. And Bridget, remember, look up at the sky tonight. I Tell got us the alarm you see set. It. All I'll right. I'll give you an update. Excellent. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.